Uh, power of attorney authorizes somebody to work on your half in any business dealings, really, and you know to take care of uh, not only uh, well paying bills and making decisions, and it even says on there, you know, again, buy and sell property and um, all of these different things. You know, they give that. There's also a medical power of attorney, which I have. Uh, you know, I, I currently have for some people, but I've had, you know, in the past for people also, and it makes them, it gives them uh, the authority to make any and all medical decisions on your behalf. And the theory, you know, in theory, in both of these things, uh, the, the theory is that you're not able to do this on your own. You know, for whatever reason, you're not able to do these things on your own, whether it's uh, some of the regular business things or whether it's those medical decisions that need to be made. And um, one of the things, you know, with those who I've done it, uh, done it with in the past and currently am in that position with some people, we've sat down and we've talked, you know, and, and said, you know, what, what is it? Because I want to I know their heart. I want to know, you know, what thing. I don't want to make decisions... Um, that would be contrary to what they would what they would really want, uh, you know, and so we we have sat down and we've shared and we've talked and asked some pretty direct questions sometimes on what it is you know their feelings on different things, uh, particularly in the medical with the medical thing you know what are, what are your feelings on uh, on some of the procedures and some of the things that might be done uh, you know and we've discussed these things uh, together so when you give someone the power you know power of eternity of, of eternity <laughs> well that too power of eternity attorney you know lawyer uh, when you act them to, to make decisions for you it better be somebody you trust somebody you know has your best interest at heart uh, in our walk through philippians here we've arrived at a point where paul gives authority um, maybe sort of a power of attorney uh, for someone to act on his behalf, someone that he trusts. And he gives some instructions and even sends them to minister on his behalf to the Philippians. Uh, that's what we're going to start looking at today. So let's pray before we get into our passage once again. Father, thank you for those who um, you've given us relationships with that we can we can trust. We thank you for Jesus Christ, Lord. There's no question about that. And our ultimate trust is in him. But we also thank you for those you've surrounded us with and given us in life that we can walk together with, that we can trust, that we can open our lives to in, in some very complete ways. I ask that you would teach us from your word a little bit more what some of this means, what it means to... Um, have such a relationship with with some and the joy that comes knowing knowing that we can uh, rest in in those relationships and in what you have built and what you have put together so teach us again from your word as we look as we open ourselves up we ask in Christ's name amen we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 turn there if you haven't uh, already Philippians chapter 2 Verses 19 through 30, the end there, page 1081 in the Pew Bible. Uh, you'll see as we read through these, they almost seem a little bit more like perhaps Paul is just giving some information about his plans 
rather than direct teaching, rather than direct instruction, you know, where we're used to him saying, you know, kind of this or that, uh, this almost seems like he's saying, well, you know, this is kind of what I'm thinking, what I'm going to do. But still, as I look at this, God had Paul record this, and I think there are certainly things that we can learn from this and apply to our own lives. In the Holman Christian Standard Bible, this is two paragraphs. We're going to look at them in that regard. We're going to take them one at a time, beginning with verse 19. He says, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you uh, soon, so that you may also be encouraged when I hear news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will give genuinely uh, care about your interests. All seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. Now, again, even though this seems like some personal comments from Paul about maybe even what we might think of as some mundane things, I think there's some truths that we can learn. Look what he writes. He said, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you. Paul trusts Timothy enough to have Timothy act on his behalf when when he's not able to go see the Philippians. And he he trusts Timothy enough. Now, Timothy's arrival there is going to have to be delayed. And and you're going to see in in a little bit, you know, the second paragraph, he he, um, takes care of that as well. But he... So he trusts Timothy not only to take care of things, but here, look at what he says. You know, he trusts Timothy really to know what's important to Paul. He, he feels that Timothy is going to be thinking along the same lines as he is about what's important. And to then, then to come back and to accurately tell Paul what it is that's going on with the Philippians. You know, now it's always good, it's always a nice thing to hear good news about people, you know, and, and to hear, you know, for someone to bring good news. And here he says he wants Timothy to bring, um, news about him, you know, to the Philippians and stuff. He says that I, I may also then, he says that I also may be encouraged when I hear news about you. I was reading this, I thought, well, here's a thought for you. Try to bring someone who brings good news. Try to be someone who brings good news. News that others will find encouraging. And not, not, not necessarily even just yourself, but that others will find encouraging. You know, that, that they will see. Now there's two reasons I thought this was important to bring up. You know, I'm not just saying it because it's, but I, I think there's, there's at least two reasons, but two reasons why I brought it up. Uh, the first is, you know, if you're concentrating on sharing good news, if you're concentrating on sharing good news, it will keep you from being a gossip. You know, it will keep you from gossiping. Gossips like to share less than good news. I mean, that, that's really what it is. Gossips really like to share less than good news. And gossips condemned in Scripture, you know, that's, that's bringing somebody else down. We, you know, we shouldn't do that. I've shared with you before, and I still try to, I still try to go by this. And, you know, even, I don't know, does it come by every week? Some, part of it's almost automatic now, but part of it, sometimes I actually stop and think about it again. 
uh, you know, Ginny and I talk a lot, and one of the things I'm careful, I try to be very, very careful about, is that I don't say anything to her about someone that will cause her to think less of that person. You can say, you know, even if it's something that's true, you know, and, well, you would hope it's something that's true. Why would you say something that's not true? But I, I, I try not to say anything to her that's going to cause her to think less of the person that I'm talking about. You know, that's, that's kind of what, what, you know, comes in gossip, you know. So, you know, if you're concentrating on sharing good news, that'll keep you from gossiping. Well, the second reason I thought this was important is because people like to hear good news. I mean, we do. We just like to hear good news. If you constantly think about this now, if you constantly bring good news, <coughs> people are going to want to hear from you. They're going to look forward to hearing from you, in fact. Think about those people who, who, you know, who always seem to have something good to say to you, always something good, to, you know, and, and uplifting. And you look forward to talking with those people. You look forward to hearing from those people. And then when you share and you tell them about Jesus, the best news that you can ever give someone, guess what? They're going to be more likely to listen to you. They're going to be more likely to listen to what you say. You know, I don't want to hurt your feelings, and you all know what's coming, but uh, some of you are known as a complainer. You know, that, and, and people actually cringe when they see you coming. You know, it's, uh, in our region, you know, they call it now, it used to be a district, um, one of the reputations I built for myself, not intentionally, was being a smart aleck. Because that was one of the comments that would always come across when I saw someone. You know, just a little, just a little smart alecky comment of some sort or another. And, uh, I, you know, I, I have worked diligently to change not the reputation, to change the actions. But, you know, with some people that reputation still, um, precedes me and I have no one to blame for it but myself. You know, and so sometimes, you know, when you give out smart aleck comments, you better expect to get some. And so now when I see some people, the first thing I get from them is a smart aleck comment. It's a reminder to me not to do that. See, it reminds me I don't, I don't want to be that. Not in comparison to them in comparison to what I was. And unfortunately, sometimes still am, but I, I, you know, I, I work not to do that. Now, some of you say, well, you need to work a little harder, buddy. Uh, just, don't worry. I, you know, I, I, I am working on it, so just shut up. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so work on being someone who brings good news. 
You know, work on that. Look at verse 20. He says, for I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interest. That word genuinely, faithfully, sincerely. What caught my attention in the definition here was naturally. For I have no one else like-minded who will naturally care about your interests. Someone to whom when, when you speak that it's, it's natural for them to care about you and care what's going on about you, you know, and, 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 you know, that, that it's important to them. And that they're faithful, they're sincere in that. It's a natural thing for them. And to care about you, you know, to care, to look out for. When he says, you know, that it's about your interests, He's not saying that you need to be interested in what they're interested in, although, you know, that can be a good thing sometimes, you know. I mean, (laughs) if you're really honest with yourself, you probably would never be married if your spouse didn't take a little bit of interest in those things you're interested in, even though they don't care. I mean, even though they don't care. I tell Ginny some things sometimes, and as I'm talking to her, and I realize she doesn't care. She doesn't care about what I'm telling her, but what she does care about is me. You see, and because she cares about me, then, you know, these things, then she listens to these things, you know, and she, it, it, you know, and this, this is the picture here, you know, that's going on, uh, you know, what he's saying here, care about your interests, he's talking really about their spiritual position and that their spiritual position and what's going on with them spiritually is important to Timothy. It's important to Timothy and it's important to Paul. It should matter to us whether someone's going to hell or not. That should matter. You know, it should make a difference. And people who genuinely care about you, they're an encouragement. I used to think that when somebody used the phrase, you know, that they were there for me, I always thought this is kind of an innocuous saying because they couldn't come up with any specific reason why they liked this person. Well, you know, they were there for me. And I thought, what does that mean? They're there for me. Yeah, and, and I thought, it's really a stupid thing to say until I realized the people who were there for me. Those people, you know, those people who care about me. And I know that I can trust them. You see, and that's, that, I, I, you know, that, that's how I, how I even look about and think about that phrase now. You know, when they say somebody was there for me, there's people who, who were there for me, you know, who care about me, who I know I can trust them. You know, and it, and it makes a huge difference. God places people who genuinely care about us in our lives. He places people who genuinely care about us in our lives. Here's the challenge for you. Don't shut them out. Don't shut them. It's not written down. You can still write it down. Don't shut them out. Don't shut out those people who genuinely, genuinely care about you. And we shut them out for a lot of different reasons. We shut them out sometimes, you know, because we're hurt or we're afraid to get hurt. You see, because before when, when somebody cared about us and then they, they ended up hurting us. And so we, we just kind of keep people at a distance. You know, it's better that we, that we stay at a distance. And, you know, we did not do that. And sometimes we do it because we don't want attention. But I think a lot of it boils down in circles really around pride. 
that it's a pride problem when we shut people out. Now, we try to excuse it with something else. But you see, sometimes we don't want to hear what we need to hear. Sometimes we don't want to have to maybe admit even to ourselves that we need help or that we need someone or that we don't have the answer. And it becomes, comes down to a pride problem. He goes on in verse 21, he says, All seek their own interests, not the interest of Jesus Christ. This is pointing out a difference in thinking, a difference in how people approach life. You know, most often people look at each situation through the lens of how it affects them. How does, how does this affect me? Our society is geared that way. Our society is geared that you, you know, that you think of how things affect you. Look, think of any advertising and who's it focused on? Me. Me. And how does this affect me? And our natural inclination. Our natural inclination is to be selfish. What's some of the first, what's one of the first words kids learn? Mine. Mine. You know, pick up that toy. Mine. I haven't played with it for six weeks, but it's mine. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's an, we have to teach, you know, we have to teach them to share. We have to teach them, you know, to care. Now, you want to find joy? Find someone in your life who loves you, but who loves Jesus more. And then listen to them. And listen to them. This is a type of friend that we all need. Someone who won't agree with us when we're being foolish. Someone who won't agree with us when we're being sinful, but will love us enough to speak the truth of Christ into our situation. Someone who won't just nod their head in agreement when we're talking dumb things. But will bring the truth of Christ into our situation. They who they they seek they don't you know they seek the interest of Christ, not their own interest. As Paul is telling them about Timothy, he's able to say in the next verse, verse twenty-two. But you know his proven character. You all have proven character, but some of you won't like what your character proves. You won't like what that proven character is. You won't like what that proven character turns out to be. What we need to do, what we need to do is have God mold our character instead of the situation and instead of those people who do not follow Jesus. Instead, you know, you, you, you look for those who are seeking after Christ. You know that proven character. You cannot change your past, but you don't have to be defined by your past. I can't change all those past smart aleck comments I've made to people, but I can change from here on on how I talk to people on what I say to them and, and how, I, how I interact with them. When you allow your relationship with Jesus to truly be your guide in life, you will prove that he is a powerful, forgiving God who cares about people.
You will help people to see, you know, as he's molding your character, that he is a powerful God, that he is a God who cares about people, that it makes a difference to him. Let's look at the second paragraph. Drop down to verse 25. It says, But I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since uh, he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, I am very eager to send him, so that you may rejoice when you see him again, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in honor, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Now, Epaphroditus here, was he was sent by the Philippian church to deliver financial help to Paul, but to go beyond that even, that when Paul was in prison, he was to stay there and minister to Paul. Even when they were on house arrest, you see, somebody had to care for them. Somebody had to make sure that they were fed. Somebody had to make sure that, you know, that they were cared for, that if they got sick, that they, they brought a medicine. It's not prison like you're in prison now, you know, where you, you know, they just didn't come around at noon and slip a bologna sandwich under the door. Somebody had, to, somebody else had to feed you, and if they didn't, you weren't going to eat. I mean, that's, a, that's more what prison was. Now, we're not given the details here about what happened, only that while Epaphroditus was with Paul, he got ill, and he got so ill that he almost died. Now, I found it interesting to read commentaries, and some of them trying to guess on on what kind of illness it was. Here's what kind of illness it was. A severe one. <laughs> uh, that's all I can tell you. If you almost die, it's, it's, it's you know, pretty severe, is just my guess. You know, what was it? I don't know. It hit him pretty hard, though, you know, if he almost, if he almost died. Now, word got back to the Philippian church, it says, and they were concerned for their friend, so Paul was sending Epaphroditus back home to the Philippian church. Now, there was a danger with him going back to to the Philippians. There was a danger here that some would see him as a failure. You see, that he didn't complete the mission of helping Paul while he was there. Paul was still under arrest and you left him? What were you thinking? You know, now look, look at how Paul re- refers to Epaphroditus. He calls him a brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, minister to my needs. He's building him up. He's telling them as he's sending him back, what a blessing, what a blessing Epaphroditus was. You may see him as a failure, but guess what? He was really a blessing to me. He really encouraged me. Now, here is a great example for us to follow. Look to say something nice about others. Build them up. Build them up. It is, it is too easy to complain. It is, it, it is, and it is too often that people hear complaints. Let me tell you, parents, grandparents, here in particular, statistically, the, I was going to say worst time, a better way to word that, I guess, statistically, the, the uh, uh, most oppressive time in someone's life 
his middle school and high school. Somebody with one of these studies, you know, and sometimes they're good, you know, I, I, I don't care how much methane gas cows put into the atmosphere, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that one, but uh, here's one of the studies they did do. For every comment made to a kid in middle school and high school, nine out of every ten are negative. That's not only that's not only from that's not only from their from their peers, it's also from their parents and from home life. Because you know, we can all irritate each other and and you know as as kids are changing from kids and that transition to adults and they're stretching and they're learning and you know, sometimes they say some things or do some things um, that irritate us. Now, what you need to realize on some of this, sometimes they're irritated because of you, not because of them. Just a thought for you there. You see, usually we're irritated because somebody is, isn't meeting my expectations. That's why we're irritated because they didn't meet my expectations. Um, you know, you, you need to watch that one. There's a difference between not meeting my expectations and doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I I learned that, and I'd like to say I always applied it well with our kids. And you know, feel free to talk to Marcy. I probably didn't, you know, but I can remember when you know, when Peter was young, and he's in the back seat, and he's a boy. What do boys do? Boys make noise. You may have noticed that. Boys make noise, and he'd be in the back seat, and he's making car noises and just other noises and all sorts of noises, and they. You know, Peter, stop that. You know, Peter wouldn't. He'd keep doing it. Dad, make him stop. I say, he's not hurting anything. It'll be okay. You know, he's not hurting anything. If he's doing that when he's 22, then I'll talk to him. But in the meantime, you know, we're okay. You know, we're okay. See, there's a difference between somebody who's doing something wrong and somebody where, where it's just bugging me because, you know, maybe I don't like what they're doing or, you know, you know, now, now there's certainly within reason, you know, so don't be goofy about this because, you know, sometimes they don't like it and it's like, okay, you know, have a little respect for your sisters and, and cool it. You know, there, there certainly is that, but not every time. And so what we need is, you know, somebody who can say something nice about someone. Here's the deal, you know, not not just with those who are in middle school and high school, but certainly make a real effort for this. You know, you've heard this before. Catch him doing something good. You know, look for him doing something good and let them know. Now, this this pertains to your spouse, too, because, you know, every once in a while, your spouse will do something and they just really irritate you. And too bad Jenny's not here to hear this part because I can do that to her. You know, kind of irritator. Um, you know, but she's real good at she's real good at at, at encouraging me. But you know, it's it's uh, you know, you, you look, you say something nice. You know, look to say something nice about others. Look, but say something nice to others. It's very easy to complain, particularly if somebody doesn't finish what they came to do. And here, Epaphroditus didn't finish out the time that he intended to serve with Paul. He's a little homesick. He wanted to leave, you know, because he was concerned about those who thought about him. And he wanted to go, can't wait, just go home. I don't know that he whined. Let's see, but that's just how we, how we interpret it. 
you know, that somebody's not doing something, that they didn't finish it out, you know, you, you, you big baby. Uh, you know, but he, look to say something nice. And he says, for this reason, I'm eager to send him so that you may rejoice when you see him again. The mere appearance of some people is enough to bring us joy. Those videos, you know, those videos of soldiers coming home, you know, and surprising their families, and some of them not even surprising their families, you know, it's where they know they're coming home and they're all lined up there and the families are back here and they're lined up while they say, you know, help to raise your soldiers one arm up, and, you know, they're giving them the orders before they leave their formation and all that stuff and the family's there. And then it's kind of like, okay, whatever they say, go, you know, and man, these families kind of running toward each other. I can watch those things. I can watch those things for hours, you know, I could watch those videos and stuff just to see the joy on their faces, you know, when they they get together, just being able to see them. I remember how good it was to see my brother and my brother-in-law when they came home, you know, on leave and when they came, particularly when they came home from Vietnam. And I just remember what a, how good it was to see them, just to see them. Just to be able to know that they're there and that they're alive. You know, and that the, the joy that comes. There's another one I remember is after Ginny and I, you guys are going to get tired of stories of Ginny and I. Um, after we've been dating a few months, she went to Texas uh, with a friend of hers. Um, a friend's brother lived in Texas. And so she went to Texas for a long week, you know, about 10 days or something. And she took a train. I took them down to Union Station in Chicago, and they took the train down there. And so she was gone this 10 days. This is before mobile phones, you know. It's when the phone used to hang on the wall, and there was a line connected to your phone and every other phone in the world. And you had to pick it up, you know, and it was connected to a cord and all that stuff. And you had to, you know, dial a number and talk and pay a lot of money, you know, to make a long-distance call, you know. And that, that's the good old days when that happened. So that's when it was. Um, and she was, you know, like I said, at... The friend's brother's house and you know you can't use somebody else's phone to make calls like that you just didn't do that then uh you know and so we didn't talk for this this you know nine ten days that she was gone we used to you know we were even at at that point in, in our relationship where uh, we used to at least talk every day and generally we saw each other every day you know so we had this uh, you know this span there these 10 days that you know that i hadn't seen her and I went down to Union Station in Chicago to pick them up. And this was in the good old days when they used to let you get close to the trains, you know, and the airplanes and all that stuff where you could go right to the right to the gate where they were coming in. See, that's another good old day thing. Uh, so anyway, I'm walking down the platform and these people are pouring off the train. And, um, you know, and, you know, Ginny's wasn't the tallest one in the crowd. Um, you know, so as she's as as they're coming, and you know, and I'm walking that way, and this crowd is coming that way, and I remember just being able to see her when I caught her in the crowd. I caught, you know, we saw each other in the crowd, and instant joy. You know, that's there. And this is this is what what he's talking about here. You know, we have people in our lives who bring us instant joy just to be able to see him, you know, so that you might rejoice when you see him again. We have people in our lives like that. Here's the thing for you. Thank God for those people that bring you joy. Please understand, I am not simply saying, well, thank God for that. What I am saying is take a moment, address God in prayer, 
and thank him for those people. That's what I'm talking about when I say thank God for these people in your life. It's not just an expression. It's a suggestion to you to pray and thank God for these people. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, you know, take a moment and thank God for your wife, for your husband, for your kids, for your parents. Take a moment and just actually literally stop, thank God in prayer for these people. And then also, you know, tell them. Tell them how they bring joy into your life. You know what an encouragement it is to, to, to hear something like that? Let them know why they bring you joy. You know, that'll encourage them. That'll build them up. That'll help them to encourage others as well. We need to move along. Verse 29. He says, Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in honor. A while back, I realized that I was not expressing honor for some people. In fact, I let my smart aleck tendency um, be expressed much more regularly than you know than I certainly should have and uh, you know I had someone who genuinely cares about me and that would be Ginny once again uh, she pointed it out to me she pointed out to me the way I was talking to these people you know, and I had a choice I had a choice to be offended and defend myself you know, and, and or I had a choice to listen to wise counsel that I was given by someone who knows me and loves me and loves God more. You know, and I changed. I changed to expressing my honor for what these men are doing and ministering for Christ and trying to lift them up. This is what God tells us to do. Verse 30, he says, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. I read that verse and two thoughts came to mind. How willing am I to put myself out for others? How willing am I to put myself out for others? And would it be to the point of death? The other thought that came to mind is, This is exactly what Jesus did for me. Exactly what he did for me. He risked his life and gave his life for my sin. For my sin. When I saw this, I realized that I should be willing to put myself out for others. I should be. I should be willing to put myself out for others. Not just think of myself. Now, the points you have in your outline, they look a little bit like a list of things to do or not to do or things to strive for. But as I was looking at them, they really, they, they all speak about our character. They, they speak about the type of person we are. The person we are to be. Try to be one who brings good news. Find someone in your life who loves you but loves Jesus more. Have God mold your character. Look to say something nice about others. Thank God for people that bring you joy and then tell them and put yourself out for others. These will all help to form the character of those you know, who truly have a relationship with God and they will begin to flow naturally from your life.
And as you live this way, as you live this way, know that God is looking at you and he is saying, you bring me joy. That God would look at you and say, you bring me joy. And in that, I will rejoice. Let's pray together.